For the record, with Dan Gordon and Maya Billick on FBI Radio. would like to acknowledge that right now we are broadcasting on the stolen Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to Elders past and present, as well as extend that respect to any First Nations persons listening in right now. Sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be. You know them as the free genre connoisseurs who burst onto the scene with their spasmodic debut album, Schlagenheim. Born from four students who met at the Brit School, this year they returned with Cavalcade, presenting another wonderfully chaotic and unpredictable second peek into their sound and world. Today on For the Record, we met up again with Black Midi, this time with their vocalist Geordie Greep, to catch up on what's been happening in between drinks, what's changed for the band this time around. Stay tuned on For the Record today, we'll be unpacking the record in full, and keep an eye out on the full playlist at fbiradio.com slash programs and text in at 0409-945-945. Under soft lights with a take-back face Our soft-spoken queen takes her place on the stage As the big curtains open as troops run quick for the one and only Marlene Dietrich. She whispers demurely from asking because this record to me is so many different things well first congratulations on getting it out in the middle of a pandemic it's no easy feat thanks very much thank you very much um but this record is 
I didn't think it could get crazier than Schlagenheim, but you proved me and I think so many other people wrong. It's anxiety-inducing, risk-taking. It feels very much like the oral or sonic iteration of reading a comic book and like going through the highs and lows and peaks of all these different car chases and everything that comes with that or the lost soundtrack to a forgotten Alfred Hitchcock movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me about these larger than life characters that inhabit Cavalcade and the stories they share. Well, I don't know if there was necessarily like a plan when, you know, coming up with songs to have feel fit a kind of cohesive thing for an album or whatever. But it was just, um, you know, like with the music, a lot of it is, you know, about, you know, not being too afraid to do something that's completely cheesy or over the top or very theatrical or whatever. And it's the same thing with, you know, a lot of the, the words and stuff is, you know, why not do something really silly and over the top and, you know, just stupid, basically. Because, you, you know, I think to lose, you know, and um, I think that's the thing now is like most music that's made or whatever is like purposefully kind of subdued or whatever, which is cool and it's good. But it seems like there's there's less room for, you know, just going for it and forget to, like not making it um, realistic or, you know, um, down to earth or whatever, just doing whatever. Did you find that or those thoughts more as you came into play with getting ready for album number two or is that an opinion you've had for a long time no i think it's always like been the way i'm thinking about it but it's just um you know with the second album it's kind of more with the first album it's almost as if you're you feel a bit like you're lucky to even have an album coming out so you don't Mm -hmm. want to push it too much or you know go too crazy the first time or really um do something that you're you hold too much attachment to it's almost like you do the album and you like it and it's good but you don't want to put your all your eggs in this thing straight away you know you're going to have some distance straight but you know the second one it feels a bit more like we're really just going for it just you know forgetting about it just having having a good time and making something that we actually um really like yeah I can imagine knowing that Matt stepped away from the band in the time since there must have been a bit of a, like readjusting internally. Was that the case? Sure, yeah. I guess so. It was. It's one of those things where it was. It's a. It was a really long process situation sort of thing, which um, we can't really go into at the moment. But no stress. Um, it meant that it was like um, you know it wasn't uh, like a one day. Oh yeah, this is happening. It was a very gradual thing. So it's kind of hard to say how it changed or what it changed, but it certainly did. Yeah. Mm. Moving on, Cavalcade is crazy. It very much reminds me of this album from a few years back by Marie Davidson, who, if you're not across her, is this very intentional electronic producer who Mm. kind of not takes the piss but takes aim at stigmas in the scene especially being a woman behind the scene but also intentionally pushes the boundaries as far as she possibly can like to as many extremes as possible and I get that same feeling in listening to Cavalcade a lot of it feels much bolder and elaborate and there's more detail than I ever thought there could be 
from these leaping peaks to these tiny small little crevices and things that move along and I think it's those things that make it feel like this vintage record you could just pick up and slap on your turntable and just unearth this whole new world you had no idea about Mm. Uh, thank you very much I mean yeah guess that's the goal I guess (laughs) was that sort of the headspace you and the band found yourselves in and making ABBA number two was it or was it still, I guess, bred very much again in experimentation and jamming? Um, to be honest, this, the, the, the thing is always to have fun and make music that at the end of the day you enjoy, you would enjoy listening to. You You know, you want to make the music that you would want to hear. But um, I guess this time there was a lot more um, like just hard work put in. A lot of the first album was, you know, in, in, like kind of jamming out and waiting for something to come, which was cool. But it also meant that every time you did a good song, it almost felt like a fluke or like <laughs> it, it was just, um, you know, an act of God that we got that good song or whatever. Um, but, you know, with this time, just getting to a more traditional process of just sitting down and saying, all right, I'm not going to get up until I finish this and I'm going to work out how this, how this best works, beginning, middle and end. Um, a lot of the time that's, you know, once you've kind of... Um, proven that you can do it it's a lot more sustainable because you can just you know every week have a couple new songs or whatever and um, that's what's kind of been the, the, the way since then since um, you know the beginning of last year maybe a little bit before is just every week we'll have a couple new songs and just learn them all and um, we've just got loads now so it's, it's been way way better than the, the last process the last um, you know uh, you know method we use on the last album I guess a positive change of that. Yeah.
Now, why Marlena Dietrich, who is an iconic, very vintage black and white movie film kind of cabaret singer? What drew you mm-hmm. so much to her? Well, well I think she's a very, um, very fascinating um, person. She has that thing where she's not necessarily the most talented you know, performer ever. You know, she couldn't really sing, uh, she couldn't dance. She wasn't the greatest actress. And she was much older than most of her co-stars for the majority of her Hollywood career. But she had, you know, a kind of um, undeniable presence, magnetism, which would silence any room. And um, which is quite interesting, I think. And just, just you know, really um, illustrates how powerful performance can be. And when someone's really putting, you know, their self into something and has that kind of special charm, which can't be defined in terms of, oh, they can um, sing in this vocal range or they can um, um, do this type of acting or whatever. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. But also, I mean, the reason that she in particular is for that song is because the whole thing in her career is um, one of the big things she did was singing for all the soldiers. And that's kind of the, the, the setting of the song. And it's, you know, meant to be like, well, that's the most extreme example of... Um, you know, they're in a horrible, horrible situation, but the power of performance is such that, um, you know, it still can have a bit of that, even in the most, you know, craziest, um, you know, depraved circumstances. Yeah. Do you, I guess, being able to deliver that kind of presence, is that something that you and the band strive for in your live shows, being able to give to listeners and to audiences? I guess so, but I mean, it's a tough, tough ask, you know, <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, you want to just, you want to just be yourself and, you know, play music the way, you know, the play music, you, you, you want it to be played and everything. And um, you don't want to feel like you haven't put your everything into it and all that. And I guess that's all about, but you can't think about it too much. You can't say, oh, I want to do it like how this person did it or this person did it. Interesting thing actually is that, um, I remember hearing about that Clint Eastwood, the actor, right? Mm-hmm. The, the person he modeled his kind of acting style on, you know, was actually uh, Marilyn Monroe. Because, oh, wow. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is quite kind of, you know, you think, well, what the hell? But then I think it's kind of, you know, um, quite a good thing to think is when you want to do something original or something quite strange, you, you, Take use something as a model or inspiration that you know you definitely can't do. Obviously, he's never going to be able to sound like Marilyn Monroe, but in his <laughs> failure to sound like her, he'll come up with something interesting. You know, the way his delivery or whatever in the westerns or whatever was quite—it's not—it's the opposite of John Wayne or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. So oftentimes, if 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 you're like you know taking inspiration from something you know you can do, you just end up with something a, lot, a bit bland. Some a lot of the time, it's kind of boring. But you know, if you pick something. You know, that's you definitely can do, you know, your failure will be interesting. You know, Tom Waits doing all that blues stuff, he can't do that as well as the original guys, but in his failure to do it, it's quite interesting, you know. So yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> do you find much inspiration in the past, or is this like a I guess interest or personal hobby of yours that creeps into your music? Um, I guess so, yeah, certainly like most of the the music that I've listened to throughout my life is from you know before I was born or whatever and then you know movies or whatever books and everything and I think it's just a thing of 
obviously I, I try and keep um, up to date with new stuff as well and, um, you know, checking out new things. But it's just the thing of, you know, you know, I'm going to die one day. You know, it's inevitable. And there's so much stuff from these previous years that's, you know, has been seen by so many people, you know, previous generations as as valuable. So why 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 say, oh, yeah, it's it's no good. It's all good only from, you know, the last 10 years. You know, surely, I mean, the stuff that's less than the longest is going to be have some kind of, you know, validity. So it's just the kind of thing of, you know, making sure you listen to enough or, you know, experience enough before it's too late. Um, yeah but yeah it's a good way of looking at it ask chronomalacia patella oh yeah 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 who had the knee injury <laughs> oh well um i did but it was um oh my are you okay yeah, yeah yeah it's fine it's fine but it was just a thing of um i was doing the song before i even know knew what it was sort of thing and then when i got the you know found out the name and everything and then just put just said oh, okay i'll just call this song that it was pretty funny <laughs> it's more not too funny than anything else like it, <laughs> most of the things with the band <laughs> can i ask how you injured yourself i don't know i don't know i went to the the, the, the guy said it's just some people are just more susceptible to it so I, I think it's just a gradual thing oh wow i funnily enough completely resonate with that i not that long ago woke up to just like a crazy swollen knee and it turns out mm. it was an, an arthritis flare-up so i'm with you really? i'm with you on oh, that wow. yeah just out of nowhere yeah. hey um, yeah you never know man it's crazy that's what i'm saying about this you know you never know when you're gonna go man you're right yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, most yeah. Of it. i guess it's funny that you may have been after a knee injury because 
so much. If I had to really like hone in on this record, it funnily enough feels like a game of boulder dash. You really don't give people a chance to rest or catch themselves or catch their breath or their thoughts or really sink into what has just kind of taken place. But it also feels like this extremely creepy path and I guess in your career to date, the creepiest path you as a band have gone through or gone down. Whereas Schlagenheim is definitely bristling in this childlike energy and a sense of freedom. How would you describe the sonic influences of Cavalcade if you had to? Do you see the two as like a, the two albums as a sister kind of one and two records or not really? Mm, not really. I think this, this second album is kind of just way more intentionally made and way more telling of, you know, the music we're actually, you know, passionate about or whatever. And I mean, the main thing with the, this album is just like the whole drama of it. That's what it's meant to be, just very dramatic, very um, thrilling. I'd say if people say, what, what genres you say um, the album is or the band is, I'd say probably, you know, it fluctuates in between drama and comedy and romance. That's the three. And it's throughout the checks is going through them, bits are here, bits are there. You know, they're all good, but you know, one is meaningless without the other two. We have hint of the other two always at the time. So that's the kind of thing as well. It's, there's, no, there's no tension without release sort of thing. But um, in terms of relating to the first album, the first album was a lot more kind of just making all these songs and playing them live. And it was almost um, just recording everything we had and, uh, you know, just making an album out of necessity sort of thing. Or like not even necessity, just it was a thing to do to make an album. We weren't really thinking, oh yeah, this is, this is how the album's going to be structured out and really thinking about it. And this is going to be there forever and all that kind of thing. But with this one, it is a bit more like that. And especially with album three, it's going to be more like that as well. So that'll be good. Damn. Any hints on album three that we can expect eventually? Well, <laughs> the thing is, it's just, um, if you like the second album, then I think, you know, you'll like that one because it's just going further down. It's going to be even more crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, some people said it's, it's almost like um, cross between the first and the second. It's got some of the more energy of the first one with the kind of nuance of the second. But we'll yeah. see, we'll see. It's only days yet, but six months. <laughs> You'll find yourselves deeper down the rabbit hole, huh? Yeah, yeah, t- certainly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
Um, I want to ask you super candidly because since Black Midi emerged, there's been, I feel, almost a little bit of a law around the band. And when my co-host Dan and I first spoke to Matt and Morgan once upon a time, we were completely taken by how democratic you are as a band and how it is this mm-hmm. unison of each other. I think it's Paul McCartney who's always said the Beatles are like a square. If you don't have each point, it falls and it doesn't work in the same way. Mm-hmm. And I get the feeling that that's very much what you as a, as a band are. But at the same time, there's been so many people, I guess, in press and online and fans that are mm-hmm. extremely taken by your presence John Geordie you are such an unconventional person who happens to be at the forefront what do you think of how people have I guess thrown onto you these perceptions as a front person do you consider yourself as that person in the band or do you reject all these ideas well I mean it doesn't it doesn't matter really it's the whole thing with anything anyone's saying on the, the internet or any of that. It's, you kind of have to just, you know, forget about it. It's neither here nor there. It's like if, if all the reviews were one, one star, one out of ten or whatever, you'd say, okay, don't, forget, <laughs> don't worry about it. Just keep doing your thing. And it's the same if it's all great reviews or it's all people saying good stuff. Whatever they're saying, just, just have to take it with, um, you know, a pinch of salt, as they say. So, mm. um, I mean, yeah, what can you do, really? Yeah. Do you, would you, do you understand the hype, I guess? Well, the thing is, is um, with the whole hype thing, it's a weird like word or whatever, because like a lot of people say hype and it's like, uh, it's not deserved sort of thing. Or like it's, they came out of nowhere. It's like a, a fake thing or like a um, manufactured thing. But I mean, all, from our point of view, all we've done is play shows. If people want to overhype it, that's their problem. It's not, it's not our problem. And, um, and even in terms of the, the attention from people and stuff, I mean, you know, to be honest, it's just a thing of you, it could always be better and it could always be worse. So there's no point, you know, thinking too much about it. And it's also the thing of I really dislike when people, um, you know, complain about their fans or like, you know, say, I wish my fans were like this or like that or, or better. I mean, you'd like to have any fans, do you know what I mean? You know, if you mm-hmm. had three, you know, that's still better than having zero. So, yeah. You know, you can't really say anything about it. Totally. I guess what has been so exciting to watch since that first record, especially in the last six months, it really feels like this whole free genre scene that you've helped to blow the door open to, you know, this jazz, electronic etched indie rock um, has seen bands like Squid and friends of yours, Black Country, New Road kind of enter the fold and start this whole new scene of crazy, talented musicians who are just doing things unlike anyone else, I think, honestly, to be really frank about it. What do you take of this new opening of the scene and, I guess, of these like bands? Do you see them as a bit of friendly competition? Are you excited at the prospect of what all of you will unearth? Um, well, I mean, um, I think um, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, thank you very much for the for the kind of words. But I mean, I, I don't know if we are, you know, that substantial or whatever, really, in, in the grand scheme of things. And 
with the other bands. I mean, it's just a bit of fun. And it's kind of hard from, you know, the perspective that we're in to see kind of, it might look different from, you know, just looking at the whole thing, um, you know, on a 2D thing or whatever, you know, all the bands together and everything. But, you know, it almost seems to us as if Black Country and, you know, even their previous band as well has been going much longer than us. Squid starts around the same time as us or whatever, or a bit before probably. So it almost feels as if uh, there's no real timeline. It's just kind of um, all happening, you know, at the same time and whenever and anything. But, you know, in terms of the, the friendly competition, I mean, it's, you know, it's great. It's great. It's good. It's good to have rivals and stuff and um, say, oh, well, they done this. Well, wait till they hear this, you know. And um, mm. so we'll see with album three if we can destroy them both. Battleships. <laughs> Nice. Do you see Black Midi, I guess, chucking a Bob Dylan and I guess for him it was ditching the acoustic and going electric. Do you see yourselves going down an electronic music route? Maybe. We'll see. Well, Cameron, the bass player, he loves all that stuff and he does that like for fun, doing all the electronic stuff. So that might be a thing. That's certainly um, more of a when than an if or Mm -hmm. what or whatever, however you'd say that. Um, but um, yeah, maybe electronic thing, maybe, maybe go further down the orchestral thing, maybe do the um, folk thing. I mean, it kind of just depends. With the next album, there's certainly going to be some left turns, but people will see that it's going to be it's going to be funny stuff. Folk would be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> question what do you hope your fans and listeners take away from this record with where black midi are today and where they're headed um well i think they just you know have an open mind sort of thing listen to it you know the whole way through and um more than once you know um probably you know a few times before you know saying it's the best thing ever or the worst thing in the world or whatever (laughs) but um i mean it's also just, it's not that important. It's just meant to be fun. You know, don't get in big arguments about it or act as if it's, you know, you know, a huge monumental thing, because it's really not. It's just, it's just an album. It's meant to be fun, good music, fun music. And album three, before you know it, it'll be album 50. So you don't have to, you know, it's not the be one and all, but yeah. But thanks very much for listening to everybody. So you're in for the long haul. We'll see, we'll see. But certainly one way or another, yeah. Sick. Well, Jordy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today on For the Record for FBI Radio. I'm going to leave you to it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good time at the studio. And thank you so much again. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you very much. All right. See you soon. Bye. (laughs) 